Hello and welcome to your San Diego News Fix. I'm Abby Hamblin, filling in for Christy Totten. Today we'll talk to Union Tribune columnist Charles T. Clark about an opinion piece he wrote in the week after the death of George Floyd and how he views both his thoughts at the time and the way he sees things now today. First, the news. On Thursday, California officials announced an incentive program for COVID-19 vaccines worth $116.5 million. Vaccinated Californians are now eligible to win 10 grand prizes of $1.5 million each to be announced on June 15th. 30 prizes of $50,000 each will also be given away, with half being announced on June 4th and half on June 11th. You have to have at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine to be eligible, and if you do, you're already entered to win. In addition to all those prizes, starting Thursday, the next 2 million Californians to sign up and become fully vaccinated will be eligible to win a $50 prepaid card or a $50 grocery card. The famous Big Bay Boom Fireworks Show in San Diego will be back this 4th of July after taking last year off during the pandemic. It will begin at 9 p.m. and last for 20 minutes. The show can be seen from Shelter Island, Harbor Island, Spanish Landing, North Embarcadero, South Embarcadero, Cesar Chavez Park, and Coronado Tidelands Park. On TV, it will be shown live on Fox 5 San Diego and its affiliates in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Sacramento, Fresno, and Bakersfield. San Diego County Supervisors on Wednesday announced a plan to boost spending for public safety and social services. The increase is part of a proposed county budget that would increase overall by 7% to a total of $7 billion. A county official said the budget proposal includes an increase of 660 full-time staff positions and no cuts to services. The chief financial officer said the new funding priorities reflect efforts to improve racial equity and social and environmental justice and sustainability. This week marks one year since the murder of George Floyd by a police officer, which was caught on camera and led to massive protests across the country and even in other parts of the world. The Union Tribune's opinion section is running a series of commentary pieces this week by Black San Diegans about how life has or hasn't changed since then. In the week following Floyd's death, Charles T. Clark wrote a widely read column for the opinion section with the headline, Gianna Floyd is right. Her daddy changed the world. Almost one year later, we thought we'd check in with Charles about what he thinks now. Charles, thanks for joining NewsFix. Thanks for having me. So can you start by taking us back to this week in 2020 and how you felt at the time? You obviously had a strong enough feeling to write something down. So kind of what was your headspace like at the time? Yeah, so to be honest, it was all very weird for me. my I lived in Minneapolis for 12 years. Um, I still have a lot of family out there, um, people who are very much involved with the protest. Uh, one of my cousins, who's one of my best friends, he was out, uh, he's actually a filmmaker, so he was out filming a lot of what was going on on the ground. And uh, he was on the Hennepin County Bridge when a guy drove a car into protesters. Um, So it was all hitting really close to home, you know, uh, along with the, you know, just basic fact that I'm a black man, Um, you know, so that added a certain dimension to it. Um, And I was covering politics and county government for us at the time. 
and just frankly, I was having a really hard time kind of dealing with it. I was uh, very upset. I was actually in Phoenix visiting my parents um, when I just kind of decided to write out how I was feeling more for myself. Um, and much to my surprise, as I started writing, I started finding out that there were some things that I did find a bit more encouraging, um, namely that the reaction to him being murdered was so dramatic um, in contrast to really any other case we've seen, you know, um, just to see the, the diversity of people that were coming out to protest. I, I think typically if you look back at a lot of these you know, Freddie Gray, Michael Brown, uh, Eric Gardner. Oftentimes, if you look at the photos and the faces of the crowd, it's mostly black folks who are out there protesting. Um, and this time, it, it was one of those things that I think was so just offensive that it really uh, irked everyone's sensibilities. So that was kind of encouraging. Um, and then also just on a personal level, uh, again, having been you know, lived in Minnesota for a while. I saw a lot of kids I grew up with uh, who are white kids who never talked about this stuff, who were out there protesting. One of them, he organized an event for his youth ministry group where they all took a bunch of high school kids out to the mini, uh, to the St. Paul uh, Capitol. And they, you know, marched on the Capitol and things like that. And others were, you know, essentially organizing mutual aid and things to raise food and money and different things. Um, not only to support protesters, but to just support black businesses and things. Um, so that, that was kind of where I was at, where I was like, you know, when I saw the video of Gianna Floyd um, reflecting and, you know, making the comment about daddy changed the world. I was like, in that capacity, I thought she was right. Yeah. So one year later, do you still think that? You know, it's, uh, I go back and forth. Um, you know, I, I wrote a bit about the conviction of Derek Chauvin. Um, and my point at that time was that not much had really changed. Um, I think if you just look at the past year, the number of people we can name offhand, right, uh, that were either killed by law enforcement or they were Black individuals who did not get justice because for whatever reason, law enforcement decided not to pursue it. Um, in that case, I would think of someone like Ahmaud Arbery. Um, you know, I, I think I think anyone who says, oh, things have changed dramatically is kidding themselves a bit. I think that's kind of a, a comfort lie. Um, what I will say though, is I do think the, the needle has moved on how we talk about this stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I think of everything from, right, journalists in general, right? If you said Black Lives Matter or supported Black Lives Matter, literally the month before George Floyd got killed, you could have been fired. Like, I mean, there could have been some serious discipline. This industry uh, has not done right by its journalists of color for a long time. But one thing you saw with the murder of George Floyd was we as an industry started talking about these things a bit different. Now it's not a surprise when you see folks with BLM in their bio or things like that. Um, I also think just for the general public at large, the conversation has changed. Um, you know, I think about when these things would happen previously, you know, for example, I believe it was when Michael Brown was killed. 
you know, the St. Louis Rams, I want to say at the time, they they took an issue and they issued a statement about policing. And in response, a bunch of police officers who work security for the stadium said they wouldn't work anymore because these guys saying Black Lives Matter offended them so much. Um, now, let's just say, I think if law enforcement tried to do that, the response from the public would be much more on the side of Black people than law enforcement, um, which I find encouraging. Um, you know, yeah, and I, I do think generally speaking, there's also a tendency now where people are viewing police accounts with a bit more skepticism, um, which that I don't think is just because of George Floyd, right? I mean, I think a lot of us look at, you know, if you look at the report that was written versus what we saw on video, you know, there is a very sharp contrast with how Minneapolis PD tried to present what happened versus the reality we all saw on film. And then you had a lot of other incidents like that that happened, right? I mean, it was just, what, a couple months ago, or I believe it was the week before Chauvin was convicted. You know, you had a kid out in, I think it was Chicago, uh, you know, the initial police statement said, oh, he had a gun. And then you look at the video and he didn't have a gun. Um, and I think just the level of scrutiny has, has definitely increased. So in that way, uh, his death did definitely change the conversation a bit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And these are some of the things that, um, you know, I know you're keeping an eye on as you are now a full-time columnist. Um, this column uh, particularly won first place an editorial comment from the California News Publishers Association. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, I know you're um, now writing full-time as a columnist covering identity and civic life in San Diego County. And I wondered just since you've taken over um, that position and kind of been eyeing these issues in San Diego County, have you seen anything change locally? I mean, we saw a lot of protests that week that you wrote this, just right here on our streets, you know, all over the county. Um, so in, in one year, kind of, I know it's a lot to sum up, but what would you say um, you've been watching and what have you seen change or not change? So I, I would say I've seen things change at the margins, right? So little things that advocates have called for for years, law enforcement leaders finally caved on, um, I think most namely the use of the carotid restraint, um, which even that it's, it's kind of funny because if you look at it, I mean, it's not funny, it's sad, but if you look at how San Diego County handled it, initially you had all these police departments say they were going to get rid of it with the exception of the San Diego Sheriff who was adamant that he wouldn't, right? And then he finally caved. Um, so, you know, you see things on the margins like that. Obviously, San Diego as a city is going to get an independent police commission, um, at least for oversight. Uh, I know the county overhauled its Citizens Law Enforcement Review Board a bit. Um, with that being said, though, I, I do get the sense, not just personally, but in my conversations with advocates, that the feeling is these are all kind of half measures, right? That the larger scale change that elected officials like to talk up um, in light of the murder of George Floyd, they haven't really delivered on. Um, you know, I think I tend to align with a lot of other advocates where I have been particularly critical of Mayor Gloria's relationship with the police. Um, 
And that hasn't exactly inspired confidence from, you know, accepting the endorsement of the law enforcement unions, which law enforcement unions by and large have been the biggest obstacle to law enforcement reform and accountability in this country. You know, that's not an encouraging sign to when he rolled out his proposals that he's going to be bringing forward. And he mentioned that, oh yeah, I consulted with the union about this. And it's like, well, no, you know, no one out in the community wants to hear that they're the people, you know, rubber stamping whatever initiative you're trying to do. Um, so in that way, I, I think that's kind of the larger issue in San Diego County is I think there was a lot of elected officials who talked a big game that they haven't exactly delivered. Um, and I think the one other thing I would add to that is it's not exactly, it shouldn't be a surprise if we really think about it, because I, I always remember you know, one of the elected officials that I follow most closely and uh, just, I, frankly, I think is one of the most interesting people to talk to in San Diego County is uh, Dr. Shirley Weber, who's now our Secretary of State. Um, and, you know, people, I think, like to put on rose-colored glasses and seem to forget that Dr. Weber, you know, pushed for several years to, you know, increase police oversight. Um, and, you know, the first year it was squashed by law enforcement unions um, and a lot of her Democratic colleagues who would not step up and do what I would venture, I guess, you know, or at least polling suggests most people in communities of color believe they should have done. Um, and then the next year she had a fight over doing it again. You know, she, she finally got, you know, reparations and some other things going, but even still you look at you know, say how the state of California rejected uh, removing its ban on affirmative action, um, which is an ancillary thing, but I just think it's a reminder that although we as a state and community like to tout ourselves as so justice-oriented and racially progressive, the evidence to support that is severely lacking. If you don't mind, I actually just want to end on a personal question since your column was pretty personal. Um, you talked about how you're you're often outwardly optimistic, but internally you've for a long time stewed over some of the kind of issues you face as a black person in this country and also, you know, just a person who is in journalism and kind of wrestling with these issues all the time. But you did describe yourself at that time one year ago as optimistic. Um, that I think you said, quote, cautiously optimistic that this time things will change. And I just thought I'd ask if you feel optimistic today. You know, I, I'd say cautiously is still pretty accurate. Um, there are definitely things that have left me a bit more down. Um, namely, I think, you know, as great as it was to see how many people came out in the first few months after George Floyd was murdered. Uh, I have been troubled by the trend we've seen in polling in how, frankly, white Americans uh, view Black Lives Matter and the movement, um, you know, the way the Republican Party has tried to present it as if it's some kind of terrorist organization or, you know, grave domestic threat uh, is also deeply disturbing and quite indicative of the fact that I think there's a lot of people in this country that don't have any interest in ever having a real reckoning over racial issues. Um, 
With that being said, though, I think the thing that leaves me cautiously optimistic is that, you know, that that saying about, you know, things are always, you know, tend to get worse before they get better, I, I think tends to be true. Um, and I think that's kind of what you're seeing now is I think, I think it probably would have been a little naive for any of us to believe that overnight all these forces that have been opposing some of this stuff for so long, we're just going to tuck tail and run. Um, you know, a lot of them have pushed back pretty ferociously. Um, but I think in the end, you know, truth is going to win out and, and people are going to finally kind of move the needle and push us as a country in the direction we need to go if we ever really want to reconcile on some of these things. To learn more about these stories and read them online, go to SanDiegoUnionTribune.com or check out our app in your app store. I'm Abby Hamblin, and this has been your San Diego News Fix. We'll be back after the long weekend on Tuesday after Memorial Day.